19 tonight, and the psalmist really had very much that kind of theme. And uh, tonight we're going to look at a series of stanzas. Remember when we started this psalm, it's written in 22 stanzas of 8 verses. 8 times 22, 176. I hope I did the math right there. 176 verses. And each stanza corresponds to a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And as we've said, in each of the stanzas, each line actually begins with that corresponding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. We don't see that in the English. Up to now, we have done one stanza at a time. Tonight, though, we're going to do four stanzas, five stanzas. Because uh, as I looked at these, they, they seem to be of the same theme. And the theme is in affliction, in hard times, how God's word provides great help. Standing firm on God's word in hard times. We can be grateful that God has given us His word, and he can be trusted, and his word can be trusted at all times. And we've seen this theme already to some degree, but it's like it seemed like these five stanzas really keep basically repeating that over and over again. So let's start with verses 49 to 56. The Bible is a book for hard times, the word of God, the law of God is a book for hard times. Look what it says, beginning in verse 49. Remember the word to your servant, upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your words have given me life. See, in affliction, your word has given me life. The proud have have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remember your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Indignation has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I kept your precepts. There's a basis for hope in the times of affliction. Verse 49, remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. God's word will help you to have hope. And you know, people sometimes lose hope in the worst of times. They don't see any light. They don't see any positivity. Nothing that can ever be good. But for the Christian, we know there's always hope, isn't there? And God's word says, it tells us that there is always hope. Even when death itself is facing us. When we're facing death. Even then there is hope. Because we know it's not the end. But it is a new beginning in the presence of God. And so God's word will bring us hope. We need hope. People need hope to survive. And there is no greater hope to be found than what God provides in His Word and in a relationship with Christ. And then we also see that it brings comfort. It brings comfort 
in bad and difficult times. This is my comfort, he said in verse 50, in my affliction. For your word has given me life. The word is full of accounts, full of stories in which God prevails. He prevails over all things. And sin does not have the final say. But instead, the grace and mercy of God has the final say. And so, when we see throughout Scripture the work of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, and the work that God did to bring salvation to us and give us eternal life, how can we not be comforted? And in the worst of times, we can always be comforted by the great truth of God's love and His mercy and grace. It provides a song of joy in difficult times. Verses 54 and 55. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord. In the night. It could literally be in the night if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep. That happened to me this morning about 3.15. And uh, I tried not to wake Rose up, but I didn't succeed in that. I did wake her up. And so there we were a little after 4 o'clock. We were both up. We were awake and we just got up. Have you ever had a night like that? You just lay there. No, Mark's shaking his head. He goes right back to sleep. That's good. But in the night... Both literally and maybe figuratively, you feel like you're in the night. You're in the dark place. You're in the difficult place. Remember the name of the Lord. Don't turn away from His name. Remember Him. Remember His name. And be devoted to be obedient to Him, no matter what may come. It brings joy. It provides a song in the night. And then in the next stanza, verse 57 to 64, we find a promise to obey in these hard times. Look at verse 57. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. The promise is that he's going to obey the truth of God's word. He's going to obey. He's going to keep your word. And so he says that in multiple ways, not only in this stanza, but all the way through this psalm. And he's making a vow. He's making a promise to God. You know, this is the opposite of what people often do in the night, in affliction, in the difficult times. Rather than saying to God, I'm going to be obedient to you, God, even in the darkness, even in the hard places, no matter what may come, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to keep your word. People sometimes turn away from the word of God. It's the last thing they're thinking about. 
But you see, it's counterintuitive. Many times when we're in those difficult places, we're thinking, God, what have you done for me lately? When we really ought to be thinking, God, what can I do for you? How can I be obedient to you? And then we can trust that God is going to walk with us through those places and get us to a better place. And that better place may be heaven. It may be a dark place all the way to heaven. But there's going to be a better place someday. There is joy that will come in the morning. But we ought to be in the, in the hard places of life. Be saying to the Lord, I'm going to keep your word no matter what. That's what God wants from your heart and from mine. Not some kind of wagering with God. Oh God, I'll keep your word if you do this for me. And if you uh, make things easier. And That's not what he's called us to. He's worthy of more respect than that. We ought to be saying, Lord, I'm going to obey you no matter what. I'm going to keep your word. And then there's a declaration to make in hard times. Verses 65 to 72. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. We ought to always remember that. And that's true whether things are easy or whether they're difficult. Whether we're on top of the mountain or in the valley. God has dealt well with us. But so often we turn into the accuser of God. God, what have you, why aren't you doing this? Why have you let this happen? And you see that in Scripture sometimes, don't you? You see even people who love God sometimes. They fall prey to that and they fall into that pit of despair. And you know God's big enough to handle that when it happens. But that's not what we should aspire to. We ought to be aspiring to say to God, You've dealt well with me, Lord. No matter what happens to us. Because he gave us life. And the people we've had the opportunity to know and love. He gave those people to us. For the time we had them on this earth. And someday we'll join them again. And so no matter what we're facing. We can say you have dealt well with me Lord. Verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Isn't that an interesting observation? Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Is it possible that suffering and difficulty actually grows us and makes us stronger? Makes us realize that we need God, that he's really all we have? Is it possible that our obedience actually grows through the hard times of life? Verse 68, this is a verse to mark and remember. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. A profound statement about God. And this is what we ought to declare in the difficult times. God, you are good, and you do good. It's hard to say that sometimes when we don't understand why what we're going through has happened. But always remember that this is a truth of God's word about God himself. You are good, 
You are good. God is good in all that He is. See, in His essence, He is good. You are good. He's not just good because of the good things He's done for us. He just is good in His very nature. You remember, some of you remember Granville and Wanda Brassfield, who, who were members of this church. They, they've both been passed away now about eight or ten years at least. But those of you who knew them, uh, they were always saying, God is good. And then how would they finish that statement? All the time. That's what they'd always say. God is good all the time. Well, that's essentially what the psalmist is saying here. You are good and do good. God is good in all he does because he has dealt well with us just because of who he is and his mercy and love are beyond anything we could ever deserve or hope or imagine. And God is good in all that he allows. Now, this is really hard to say, but he allows us to go through hard places in life. We don't always understand that. And there's a difficult thing of interpreting what God causes to happen and what he allows to happen. The intentional will of God, the permissive will of God. But for us, it ends up in the same place, right? It's happening to us, whatever, this, whatever it is. And we have to be willing to say, God, you are good and you do good. I don't see how good's going to come out of this. I don't see how this can be a good thing in my life or in the life of somebody else. But you can make good come out of it. Isn't that the promise of Romans eight twenty eight? Not that everything is good, but God can bring good out of all things. And so we can say, you are good and you do good. And he is good in all that he says. Everything he says is right and true and good. And so the scripture continues there in verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. The heart, their heart, is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Wow. Did he really say that? It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. So God is good in all that he says, too. The law of your mouth, O Lord. What God has told us is more valuable than all the coins of gold and silver that we can imagine. Our hearts should not be like those who turn away from God, who lie about God and the people of God. It shouldn't be as fat as grease. Apparently that is a saying that was relating to the thickness of the fat, and it's difficult for anything to penetrate that. But contrary to that, God's word ought to be able to penetrate into our heart so that God can speak to us and change us into what he wants us to be. So we should declare in hard times, in all times, you are good, God. 
and you do good. Whether I understand it or not, whether I feel that way right now or not, we declare the truth that God is good all the time. And then there is a goal to aim for in verses 73 to 80. Maturity. People don't usually pray for maturity. They pray for a lot of things, but not necessarily to be mature. In fact, often we act very immaturely in the way that we pray, not asking God to make us mature and strong in the faith. We have something we want or need, but we're not asking God for maturity. Verses 73 to 80. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Well, that destroys much of education in America today. Doesn't the Bible say God made us? Your hands have made me and fashioned me. We're not here by accident. God made us. He has a plan for us. We belong to him. And therefore, we owe our devotion to him. We owe our lives to him. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Real understanding begins with acknowledging that God made us and fashioned us. And therefore, all wisdom comes from him. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood. But I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimonies. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. A goal to aim for. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. The mature understand the things of God. Those who grow in faith, we grow in understanding who God is and what his ultimate goal is for all of us. And that helps us in all the, the times that we go through in life to keep a wider perspective, God's perspective, instead of being so myopically focused on our feelings and me and my and our pity parties that we tend to go through. The mature appreciate what God does, even when we don't understand that's why he was able to say, in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Now, we, we generally don't think of it that way. We think of it in terms of God allows things to happen to us or that we are in a fallen world. And we get hit with the afflictions of this life. And I think that's true. But the psalmist didn't have any problem just saying to God, in faithfulness you have afflicted me. He didn't try to make it feel better or sound better 
He just trusted God so much that even if he assigned it to God himself, you're afflicting me, God. That's okay to him. Because he's saying, you have a plan in that. Now, I think the bottom line is that no matter what we face in life, God is at work. He is at work. And he's either allowed it to happen or he's caused it to happen. And we're in a world that is fallen. And God in all of that is at work to grow us and make us mature. To make us like Christ. That's his goal for us. That we become like Jesus. And really from his perspective, whatever gets us to that place is a good thing. If it helps us to grow and become like Christ, it's a good thing. And we should be able to look at life that way. If I become more like Jesus because of this, Lord, then praise you. Thank you for enabling me to become more mature. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes. And then... The final one we'll look at tonight, verses 81 and following. There's a path to follow in these hard times. That we see the psalmist, what he does uh, in, these, in this night season, in this affliction. If you look at verse 81, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, When will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on earth, but I did not forsake your precepts revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth what do you do in the the times of affliction and hardened places and difficulty pray that's what the psalmist is doing he's praying he's reminding himself of God's promises he's expressing his need and so this psalmist, you know, he wasn't, he didn't uh, perfectly go through all these things. Or maybe God is just big enough to handle these questions that he has. Why, are you, why is this happening, Lord? How long is it going to go on? When are you going to deliver me? Those are natural questions that we ask. But finally, it's all boiled down to two words. Help me. When we're asking those questions, isn't that really what we're saying to God? Help me. Help me, Lord. We don't have anywhere else to turn. Help me. And so it's okay to just say to God, help me. You may want to say it in questions like the psalmist did. But then he finally just said it. Help me. God will hear that prayer. Express your need to him. It's not that God doesn't know it. But God is touched when we come to him and we need him. And we are changed when we say to the Lord, I depend on you. Help me, Lord. And in those times, hope. Don't give up hope. 
the psalmist did not give up hope here. He hung on to hope because his hope was in the Lord. And he obeyed. He obeyed. Don't quit obeying in the hard times. Sometimes we just want to throw up our hands and, oh, this is just too hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through another day. What do we need to do that day? Sit around and just worry about everything? I'm talking to myself now. You, you all who know me, I'm a terrible worrier. But you know what? It helps to just get up and go do something. Go do something for somebody else. Call somebody. Go see somebody. Go serve the Lord in some way. Stop just thinking about how terrible things are and just go do something for the Lord. Or if you can't get up and go do anything, pray for somebody else. Focus your mind on God and His kingdom and His work. And when we do that, it helps us to get through the day ourselves. They almost made an end of me on earth, but I did not forget, I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. He's asking for God's reviving strength and when we give ourselves to him in devotion and obedience we are revived matthew henry said if true religion is worth anything it's worth everything that's profound when you think about it if it's worth anything it is worth everything if it's true and worthwhile when everything is going well it is still worthwhile When God seems to have forsaken you. Now God really hasn't forsaken you. You may feel like it. But the truth of who God is. That he is good. And he does good. Is true no matter what. And so in those hard places of life. Hang on to the Lord. And to his word. And the Lord will bring us through. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful verses. We have gone through them so quickly. And yet, we pray that some of this, Lord, will stick in our minds, in our hearts. Help us to remember that you are good and that you do good. And Lord, may we live that with our lives, that we believe that. May we be devoted to you. And obedient to you. No matter what. Now in this time of invitation. Lord lead us. In any commitments we need to make. To you. And may your will be done. In our hearts. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.